podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, we have a returning guest, a fan favorite, I'm told, Leah. Hello, Leah. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So, from the last appearance that you made on our podcast, a few things seem to have changed. Would you like to take us through those changes? Uh, yes, actually, uh, I was asked by the German boards to uh, write an article and take pictures of a workshop for developing young talent in Germany, uh, in Hanover, uh, which was done with the support of a local local cricket club. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find all that on gorillacricket.com. Um, nice. Yes, I also got invited by the Gorilla South Africa guys to uh, comment on the England Women versus South Africa Women series that took place recently in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a few of the games there. Great to hear. So you're now officially a broadcaster, a cricket broadcaster. Yes. Yes, and officially a uh, cricket writer. I also got a piece published in the Smaximum, which is the Gorilla Cricket Supporters Absolutely. newsletter. It's the, let's say, the special uh, letter you would get if you're a, a Patreon member with Gorilla Cricket, right? So I'm, yes. I'm one of those, and I happen to read that article of yours. And yeah, it was very nice. So also the article that you wrote, uh, showing us the pictures and how the clinic in Hanover happened, the cricket clinic that you helped conduct. It was fantastic to yes. read about as well. So great to hear. And uh, now, you know, um, you have gone on to be a, both a published uh, author as well as a broadcaster with cricket. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's been amazing. It's been a few amazing months, I have to admit. Fantastic. Fantastic to hear. So now, if you were to discuss the games from on the field. So I think we should first talk about the amazing second test between Sri Lanka and Pakistan that ended today. Result was a surprise at all for you? Not, not, not really. I was, I was actually surprised with uh, Pakistan winning the first test in Sri Lanka. Um, and this was more of an expected outcome, I would say, from my point of view. I think in the previous episode, uh, when Bear was the guest. I think we made a prediction that Sri Lanka would pull one back and they did beautifully. And look, even the first test, that was a fantabulous chase, right? So on yes. a very low, slow track to actually chase down 344 in what was eventually just a one-inning shootout, like Abdullah Shafiq probably played one of the better innings we've seen this decade, a fourth innings, big 160, trying to you know bring a chase down. And he did it successfully. He had the support of his skipper. Well, when you look at that exact difference in this test, Abdullah Shafiq failed in both the innings. On the other hand, for a change, Sri Lanka made some runs in the first innings already. Yes, actually, they 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 
had a had a very good lead in the first innings, and um, then we had Angelo Matthews standing up in both innings, which was which was very nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, a four, forty-two in the first innings, and in the second innings he made it thirty-five. Um, that was very very encouraging to see uh, in his one hundredth Test appearance. Um, played a good match. So, yes, I think Sri Lanka being able to declare eight wickets down in the second innings, um, it was good. It was good to see. They are a team that has had some troubles lately. Mm-hmm. Nice to see them win one again. Absolutely. But when it comes to the batting order for Sri Lanka in the second innings, very surprised Karuna Ratna sort of demoted himself, trying to make the middle order a bit stronger. Sending Niroshan Dikwala to open. I think the thing about Karuna Ratna is um, that he generally is better in the second innings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he he averages uh, significantly more in the second innings. So I was a bit surprised that he didn't uh, open mm-hmm. to lay to lay a good platform, knowing that he is better in the second innings. But, you know, that's what I thought as well. I mean, I even remember tweeting probably a 100 for four is appears less secure than a 100 for two, maybe with Karuna Ratna sort of holding one end, which he did many, many a third or a fourth innings for Sri Lanka, right? So here, I mean, they did a different thing because I think Oshita Fernando was in good form. Kusal Mendes and Angelo Matthews and Chandimal were also playing okay, right? So Chandimal was in fact in very, very good form. So dropping himself after... Uh, Chandimal, I think it showed that he did not really trust Dananjaya De Silva and maybe parts of the tail to come good. So he was more planning for a 150 for six rather than oh, you know, yeah. 250 for six or maybe more. So in the end, it ended up being a really, really comfortable sort of uh, innings where even they were able to declare because the lead was so far beyond uh, what would you call chaseable. So then do you think the Pakistan middle order would take a little bit of the blame in the first innings? Because you see, except for Shafiq, Everybody f- from number two down to number 10, even number nine, have double-digit scores for, for Pakistan. Mm, yes, except except for Salman, who made mm-hmm. 62. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, it was a bit of a, a bit of a Jason Roy situation. Uh, everyone looked in, in really good flow and then got out for 30-something mm. or 20-something. Well, it can happen, right? So, first of all, yes. on these turning pitches, it's it's sometimes possible that a ball has your name on it and you would get out. And it was a very sporting wicket that way. So, you wouldn't think it's a real rip snorter of a turner or a rank turner, as you would call it, on the from the first eight starts turning, not necessarily. Because, well, Pakistan also had packed in three spinners, including a part-timer, so that four yes. spinners. So... You know, it was a very, very well contested test. And again, kudos to Sri Lanka, who always, you know, find a way to come back. And you are right, you know, the first innings chase was probably an aberration. It could have been, well, 2-0 for um, Sri Lanka. But now if you were to look at the World Test Championship, right, about, I think, yeah. about halfway through, because around this time next year, we expect the finals would be played. How do you think the teams are stacked up? So, England are, well, 8th. India we- are 4th. 
and well south africa australia sri lanka are the first three teams does that surprise you at all i think what actually surprises me is uh, south africa uh having taken 71% more than 71% of the points available that's that's a bit of a surprise um new zealand not doing so well is also quite surprising well india india have been hurt by that amazing chase by england mm-hmm. this Absolutely. year yeah i think other than that i always expected australia to be pretty strong um let's see what sri lanka can do um abroad overseas they have played a lot of the games that fall into this into this uh, at home i need to see more of them abroad mm-hmm. no you're right i mean they did uh, do something great in the last cycle if they can also be equally good in this cycle when they're touring i think they give themselves a, a reasonable chance new zealand are in a bit of trouble that way and then yes well south africa have given themselves a re- decent chance and india have a strong home season uh, you mm-hmm. have to look forward to so well they may bounce back but they'll still need to do it pretty strong i mean they they might just get a outside chance to qualify let's see how uh, it really pans out but yeah at this point in time a very interesting scenario is there that last times finalists might not make it at all to the final this time they will not they will not look <laughs> at it they have, they have 25.93% of the available points and sixth place has taken 50% right then there's 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 pakistan uh at 51.85 there's india at 52.08 and ahead of them sri lanka at 53.33 so uh we are now halfway through the cycle um meaning there is there is there is no chance uh new zealand make even if they win everything they play now they can't get to 70% mm. which is which is the minimum they would have to make to make the final they can't do that sort of makes sense i mean india will need to win a lot and hope a lot of other results fall in their way otherwise yes. it's probably a south africa australia for now the way it looks let's see yes. let's see if uh, you know there's a strong australian summer as well coming up right so let's see True. how those the biggest look the two teams that are on top have a strong summer coming up england have just ended their summer so the south asian teams west indies and probably the antipodian teams stand a good chance new zealand do have a summer but i think it's going to be really tough yes all right so but i think Absolutely. we'll get uh, some more series in between before we can predict who the finalists will be so if you were to move on are you yes. watching the india west indies games as well i did watch part of some of the odis uh, and i was in a in a um, in a live live stream with uh, mash from the Caribbean cricket podcast Aha. yesterday okay yes i was just in the chat but nice so in this case um does does india spin strength surprise you or is it because they now have five or six of their maybe the main players missing even seven you could say still they are putting up a side that can comfortably chase 300 plus like they did in the second odi for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. so somebody standing up akshar patel became the hero so he took um, a wicket of very consistent spin bowling because between the between him and deepak huda were 
was where really they really hurt west indies because west indies looked like 350 the second odi there so yes. i mean in the end nicholas puran made some runs but roman powell romario, romario shepherd these guys really couldn't add that kind of power that you would expect towards the end right so that was yeah. mainly thanks to spinners and shardul thakur i mean does that surprise you at all that uh, he's been doing well there is a reason um they call him the lord shardul thakur i think at least when he's touring at least when he's touring for sure i think the moment we go to india there are a bunch of other people who sort of take over as the first choice bowling yes um, maybe let's say in the 11 first choice bowlers so but still without the likes of shami bumrah right so and you yeah. don't have the big batting guns as well they've been asked to sit out so very interesting that you know people like sanju samson suryakumar yadav for sure now it looks like a mainstay suryakumar yadav shreyas iyer did wonderfully well bunch of really good 50s even in the mm-hmm. last one i think the standout performer and rightly so was shubhan gill uh, do you think this guy has done enough to sort of throw his hat in the ring for a limited overs opening uh, spot ahead of the likes of you know, kl rahul and maybe even the others like ishan kishan you can you can absolutely try him i think and i think this is one of the one of the strengths of india the bench strength uh, over the last few years in all departments has been amazing there are there are three or four world class openers waiting in the wings there are there are there are fast bowlers you could feel maybe three indian teams and they all would be contenders so mm. there's just the bench strength there so well why not give him a shot mm. i mean if i were to look at it probably in the shortest format he wouldn't come into the picture he ha- he totally. has that elegance and that patience that looks better suited for the middle long format or the longest format so i would say you know people like sanju samson deepak huda who are sort of pigeon hold as probably t20 experts are now also given goes in odis and they've done really well because huda has come through as an all-rounder so in yes. this series specifically he took some crucial wickets but more importantly on slow and low pitches he did enough with the ball to sort of merit an additional all-rounder spot somebody like you know ashwin would have played maybe ahead of him but mm-hmm. ashwin will come back for the t20s so uh, i'm more interested in looking at how the t20 squad because there is rohit there's pant who's coming back right that's more sort of close to what india want to take to the t20 world cup later in this year so at least for the odi series the results i mean the third odi as well it was completely rain affected but i thought india displayed the sort of maturity where they were slow to start off with the run rate was around 4 and a half an hour for like 20 mm-hmm. hours or so from which point on shubman gill beautiful acceleration so he was really unlucky to have not gotten that one additional shot to get to 100 but it was yes. a very very well compiled 98 i was going to go to the west indian side so look they don't have any such uh, compunctions they don't have to field a limited squad but i was a bit disappointed at the performance of west indies where the spinners really did never come to the party i mean the spinning uh, for me the difference between the two sides potentially was i think the bowling lineup and the spinners mainly from the indian mm-hmm. side who sort of tied the middle order in knots because so i think the likes of puran shay hope is now sort of a very very uh, bankable limited over star for west indies and he's making those big runs he even made 100 again this series he made 100 mm-hmm. when he came to the netherlands so he's sort of like very reliable but for me 
somebody else needs to put their hand up you have shamar brooks who's sort of the banker who keeps the order together you have a bunch of hitters like powell and then you'll have an assortment of all rounders available it could be kimo powell it could be you know hayden walsh it it could be akil hussain all of these who can finish strong on top of it you have these t20 stars who can also probably be drafted to the one day squad for example and you have the experience of holder and puran in there when you look at the squad it should be like they are very good i mean they should be able to beat most people on their day but something goes wrong and is it the killer instinct maybe that goes missing in the end that oh i don't i don't know i think i think it's really that a lot of their players are not in a in a good run of form right now jason holder has had not that good hmm two years now he's been he's been he's been pretty average for two years now at least in international cricket Uh, in limit and, and in limited overs i mean if you look at if you look at um the third odi he bowled six overs and he had the second worst economy mm-hmm. the only one who was worse was kyle mayers right um and 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 he's a part timer mm. and holder is an all rounder uh he took no wickets uh and he went at 7.16 an over mm. Look for me he was coming back into the squad this was his first game back but you're right he's gone off the boil as far as limited overs cricket goes I think yes, some changes with captaincy maybe not finding himself always in the squad when it comes to certain limited overs games I I think it may have done some some tinkering with his mindset but he had a point to prove you're right and he probably will get a few more goes before the world cup squad is chosen so but I think uh, a good holder is very important and they could do well to bring back one of the experienced fast bowlers i don't know how fit shannon gabriel is but maybe even kimar roach they definitely have the firepower but it's the experience that you can see that's missing as you mentioned kimar roach uh i was talking to mash yesterday mm-hmm. because because mash um got to meet kimar roach and talk to him and apparently kimar roach has been told by the board or by the selectors mm-hmm. that his services in white ball cricket were not needed because he mm. was actually going to um make himself available for world cups and for white ball cricket for west indies in internationals um and apparently he was told that his services were not needed so very weird hmm. yes hmm. it is okay uh, so they have some vision let's see if the vision pans out in the longer run at least you know when we see the shortest format they are always a strong challenger and uh, they will come the world cup they will be strong challengers but i'm one, wondering if you know come the 2023 world cup if they would find themselves themselves in some problem and they may have to play a qualifier or worse so mm-hmm. right i mean you mm-hmm. cannot really imagine a odi world cup without west indies or for that matter south africa there south africa are very close to actually not being there because they are forfeiting a ODI yeah. series against Australia it's making it very tough with the remaining games for them so i can't oh, quite yes. place my finger on what's going on but i would wait and watch it's okay i don't have to uh, let's say get to know how the teams will pan up when the time comes so i'm going to wait and watch let's see if that works uh if you want to move on you got to commentate a bit on these games the south africa england games and yes we saw the odi series was shared the third odi got abandoned because of well rain in the north of england mm-hmm. in july surprise surprise but now they again moved to the east and they started playing t20i so the first t20i well look 
this england team is quite a beast when it comes to the way they bat and somehow that confidence that they take from the approach they showed in the tests it finally started showing through again in the t20s it was sort of missing in odi it's it's relatively it's relatively interesting because um in the in the odis against india they they struggled a bit mm-hmm. and now against south africa south africa they this team seems to seems to take this what, what everyone has been calling baseball back to back to white ball cricket mm. i think yes they played the odis and 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 the first t20 uh, in a very very positive way with the bat um let's see what happens uh, today uh, south africa have been actually pretty well in this game let's see how that pans out england can always can always fold in on themselves like wet cardboard mm. well at least we- the first t20i england made a huge score but south africa yes. did not disappoint because they went hard at it and this stubs finally he got a bat uh, he sort of matched the same ferocity that johnny bersto showed and if only one other guy could have come good maybe skipper for the day david miller or henry class and uh, south africa i felt could have mounted a serious serious challenge so in the second t20i which is currently ongoing south africa in the first innings have met 207 for 3 it's going to be a very stiff chase for england but yes. do you see england making it or do you think they are going to fold like a cardboard the problem the problem with teams like England that are quite volatile i think is they will either win it two wickets down or they will be bundled out for 70 runs <laughs> right no no half no half measures there, there is there's no 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 middle ground no middle ground they will win it by eight wickets or they will lose by 150 runs okay <laughs> do you see the one influence that's recently changed in this lineup oin morgan the steel he brought so the one day side looks a little bit lackluster i mean maybe josh butler is creating a side in his own thought process so maybe they are still transitioning there's also a new yes. coach not to forget but i mean the t20i squad should in theory be a bit more settled so in the results are also sort of showing the same way but are england already beginning to miss that steel that um, oin morgan brought in or it's just some transitory phase and we're going to see england back to normal wiping the floor with the opponents very shortly i think i think the that steel that morgan brought um has good aspects and bad aspects he hmm. yes um he was he was a backbone of the of the team for a time he might have been too rigid hmm. not gone at it hard enough he certainly knows how to motivate people but i think that is not the problem in the last in the last year two years maybe you could really see a decline in morgan's batting not in his captaincy per se but he didn't make the scores hmm. anymore absolutely yeah so yeah. i think i personally think he should have retired after the 2019 world cup from from international <laughs> how how can you not retire there hmm. interesting you win the world cup for your nation for the first time you are the captain uh you know you are getting to the end of your career you say all right that's it 
I'm done. I'm going out on a high. I dare say he may have felt, and rightly so, that there was still a bit more that he could offer to this team. You know, once somebody had asked Dhoni after a World Cup win, yes, what he would want, and he said he would want to repeat it. Yeah, that's not a bad ambition to have. So probably in his mind, he thought he had enough to make it till the next World Cup as a skipper, and maybe take England from strength to strength. You know. I mean, it remains to be seen how Butler leads this one-day team forward. But at least the T20 team, at least it's 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 the less they have time to think, the better they seem to be. So they've begun in earnest. We are only in the second hour of the chase, but I'm a bit worried about South African bowling. So Kagiso Rabada was rested for the ODIs, rightly so, because he's sort of their prime weapon when it comes to tests, and tests are played later in summer. But the support bowling looks a bit thin. So you have Lungi Engedi, who's now, nowadays, quite experienced, you must be saying. Mm-hmm. But then, when you look at the rest, for example, Pehlu has been around. Maharaj and Shamsi are very reliable. But you don't see this lineup sort of bringing the same threat on the field that they actually sort of pose on paper. Yeah, in the, in the first, in the first um, T20, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Um, hmm. But I think that... And that's a that's an interesting thing. Um, in the last, I think it was the last women's T Twenty, they opened the bowling mm-hmm. with spinner in white ball in yep. white ball cricket. Mokulolekomlaba opened the bowling for them, and mm. I think they they need to do something that England did with Jack Leach. Show show some show some confidence in your spinners. Mm. And I think that would strengthen their bowling attack. If they showed confidence in their white ball spinners, in uh, in Maharaj, um, gave him more overs mm-hmm. in the white ball format, suddenly their bowling attack would look a lot more threatening, I think. Look, he's in the leadership group, Maharaj, yes. right? And he led the side in the ODIs. That was, I, th- I thought I saw a marked difference in their approach as well. But when it comes to, I think they're giving David Miller a go. He's their one of their potential skipper options when it comes to T20 World Cup as well, right? Yes. With so many of their regulars also sitting out, so it's going to be interesting. So for me, uh, this is a good chance for the likes of Tristan Stubbs, but also Riley Rosso, Riza Hendricks, right? Mm-hmm. Hendrik Klassen, who sometimes can be on the fringes of the limited over squads. So I think they 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 have enough chances here to come good, give give a good audition. Right, mm-hmm. and then at least make it to the squad uh, that goes to Australia, and from there, who knows? Right, so I'm not as much worried about South Africa when it comes to batting as much as the bowling. But one really hopes, you know, they're just shrugging off like a little bit of time that they've not played, and they're going to come good shortly. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Now, if you were to go to some of the news off field, yes. So the first one is the entire Scotland's cricket board resigned one day before. Independently conducted, uh, you know, inquiry yes. into racism mm. uh, allegations against the board came to light. Some 440 plus instances where racism was detected. So 448 institutional racism examples, right, in Scottish mm-hmm. cricket. So some former cricketers, Kasim Sheikh, Ma- Majid Haq. Yes. So Majid Haq is actually one of the leading. Wicket takers for Scotland. He is the right? leading so wicket taker for Scotland. He is the leading wicket taker. That's easy, right? So, when you look at that, it, it's really damning when your leading players are not happy about the way you treat 
you treat your own players and he himself never really felt comfortable in the team in spite of being such a star performer for them so is this just institutionalized a sort of racism that is there in certain cultures that is also i mean look england did it not very long ago very damning damning thing came out in, against many counties even the big ones like yorkshire right so scotland is doing it so is it like a reckoning that's happening for the lack of a better term a spring uprising so to say against racism absolutely. in certain parts of europe it's you think it's, so it's absolutely it's absolutely this and and, and it's it's all of western europe is fa- is mm. facing this reckoning now right uh, and it's 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 not not only racism it's any form of bigotry that has festered far too long in our societies and in the last 3 years it's been it's been bubbling beneath the surface and it's now um breaking its way through and there will be reckonings absolutely there is there has been a status quo that has been dominated by old white men <laughs> and people don't want that status quo anymore right right so so this is this is a this is a a basic basic problem not just with discrimination uh by color of skin this is a basic discrimination about not being a middle aged man mm. of european descent in our in mm. our cultures i think this is the problem <laughs> well i mean also the perspective on what their fathers or the generation before them saw and these people as men are people of a certain age probably still retain a bit of that old world outlook at certain asian cultures or people of asian south asian descent but i mean you know when i'm talking of an empire ruled the roost and so on yeah but now well it's been 75 years 80 years since that part of the world has been uh, given their own freedom or have earned their own freedom depending on how you look at it and they are they are a full force to reckon with they have a culture that is god knows far older than certain other cultures and therefore well now they're beginning to speak up i think it's a good thing that this reckoning is happening absolutely and we really hope you know other boards across europe other boards across the world where it it sort of it's just lurking around the corners you don't know it's there or you know it's there but you are sort of not interested in taking any steps to fix it but i think that has to change now yes so we are really happy to see many cricket boards including england's own board as well as scotland's board taking these steps to sort of root out a certain racist outlook and some maybe certain racist practices they have in their own in their own setup that's great so from one great news like this to another sam northeast 410 not out they beat an opposition who had made 584 in the first innings how often does that happen do you think it doesn't happen that often it does not happen that often and um to bowl them out for 183 in the in the in the second innings mm. after having after having declared five mm-hmm. wickets down <laughs> they declared right. five wickets down not uh, not something like ah nine wickets down ah it's just the tail no five wickets down this is amazing mm. this is amazing well the question is i don't know if sam northeast would say he 
could have been given opportunity to go for a 500 plus score beat lara score so to say because look it's the ninth yeah. highest first class recorded score right there are some interesting stories and i would refer you to the latest um, bishop and the bear podcast where they actually go into it a bit more so i am going to skip that part but well look um i think he would be very satisfied with the day's work 410 is not a bad score when sometimes yeah, two innings don't amount to that amount of runs when one person went about making it right and then at the end of the day you know you never lose track of the fact that you're actually playing to win a game you know there was this ruckus a while back when ravid declared on tendulkar 196 not out yeah i mean they went on to win the game so here as well his team the amount of tiredness that probably crept into the opposition's uh, limbs and mind so let's mm-hmm. share they actually folded in under about two sessions yeah. or so right so in in the end that move to actually declare even with him on 410 panned out panned out exactly as they would have wanted they got a win right and this is one for the record books no doubt because they are also third on the county championship division 2 table and you would think under such circumstances sometimes it's a nice thing if um these small victories that you chose ra- over a single draw where one of your batsmen went on to make a huge amount mm-hmm. of runs right i think that that's that's a nice story as well as far as team is concerned right so i'm i'm happy to see that uh, he got a very very large score but also his team went on to win so well, some interesting things still happen you would think in this day and age nobody would ever make a 400 well i was just thinking about it and in fact discussing it with somebody recently who knows somebody went on to make it that week so that can happen right so it shows what one knows yes in the next in the next news yes youngest person to score a t20 100 yes right it comes from suddenly an associate mm-hmm. nation not from one of the big names no. so they actually show the top 5 fastest t20i 100s so it's a t20i 100 it's an international t20 100 mm-hmm. right? because it was made against switzerland so it was made by gustav mackeon of france however that name uh, no, sound no. very uh, french but that's all right so if you look at it 18 years to 80 days a score of 109 and if you look at the top 5 it is gustav uh, mackeon or gustav mackeon and then you have hazratullah zasai yes. you have sivakumar periyalwar who was who made it for romania but yeah. he was 21 and then orkide tuisenge for rwanda and then dipendra singh airi nepal so all of these fast hundreds are made by well associates of people who play um t20is rather than you know so does it give you an idea how important those games are for these teams how seriously they take it absolutely absolutely this is um a direct uh result of every international t20 being given t20i status and being recorded for associate nations in i think 2018 19 i think but yeah i think could be 18 19 19 yes somewhere around there mm-hmm. it's hugely important for these players to 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 get into the record books to have their to have their achievements recorded um in wisdom mm. so yeah i can already hear the people um talking ah yes okay there is um four of the five fastest t20 hundreds being recorded by associate nations batters because they obviously played against associate nation bowling attacks and those are not as good as the full members 
bowling attacks. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Give the people their 15 minutes in the sun. Yeah, it's an amazing achievement mm -hmm. to be so young and to score a T20 international 100. Absolutely. Really, really well done to uh, Gustav Makian. Yes. And we really hope he goes on to achieve big things and puts France as one of the European cricketing superpowers. You know, who knows? With time upcoming. Hey. Now, one last topic yes. is Ravi Shastri's comments about restricting test match playing nations to just six in order to allow test cricket to survive. So he recently said while talking on, on the air, commentating in the South Africa-England game. No. And one of the people in the commentary box with him was Sean Pollock, who wanted to probably very vigorously disagree with him, but he didn't get a chance to rebut him. So Shastri goes on to say, you cannot have 12, 10, a number of teams playing test cricket. If you want to really keep test cricket alive and really competitive, Make sure it's only played with maybe six teams, really competitive six teams, and let everybody else play limited hours formats. What are your thoughts on that? That statement made me really, really angry because I actually think hmm. I like I, I like Ravi Shastri generally. I liked him before he was involved more with the BCCI, and I generally like uh, his commentary and his his takes after. Uh, he left the position of India coach. But I think that one was pretty bad. That take was pretty bad. The way, <laughs> the way, to, grow, the way to grow cricket is not to restrict test status to um, just the top six nations. It's actually to give test status to anyone who wants it. Mm. And, and, and don't, do not change the ICC uh, test championship you can still do that among the, the eight top teams in the world. That's not a problem. But give all the other nations that want it test status and let them play amongst themselves. And maybe give them a one-off test somewhere in, hmm. I don't know, in the, in the, lower, um, in the lower four traditional hmm. test nations so they can get better. You see, it's, it's, it's a slightly nuanced argument. Though, I mean, for him to have put it so bluntly that cricket should go on and follow a footballing model where, you know, some yeah. of the elite footballing tournaments, at least the leagues that are played in countries are restricted to the best teams in the country so that the elite talent gets to compete against elite talent and then there are no dead rubbers or there are no one-sided games, you know. But when, when, you, when you look at it from the other perspective, you have a view which is right that you should allow people who want to play cricket, test cricket, to yeah, be allowed an opportunity to just go out and play test cricket, right? But th the problem is, how are you perceived by the other teams which probably have the results or just consider themselves strong? So, Australia will not be touring West Indies for a five-year cycle. In the next FTP, it comes out, right? Mm -hmm. That's very weird if you were to say, because West Indies, they have not been able to recapture the glory they had 30 years ago, but... They will not do it if they never play against the likes of Australia and India and maybe even England at home as much as possible, right? So, so that's the point. The problem is these teams may get a feeling they are not getting their money's worth or they're not getting as much competitive test cricket as they would like when they visit certain countries. And now if you see the FTP also taking shape around a lot of premier 
2020 tournaments and so on right yes so there are already yes. two windows and there may be more windows coming up so when you look at all that so it's it's really a balancing act but for me to come out and say just restrict it to 6 does seem a little bit short sighted i mean for a person who's seen as much cricket and has actually traveled the world coaching commentating playing right so yeah. you would expect maybe he would actually advocate the other approach rather than this approach where you say uh, you know what just just keep it keep it to six, six teams that's more than enough no that's and 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 that's that's why i'm actually a bit disappointed hmm. um because he should know better he was he was always he was always known as a as a as a guy who spoke his mind during his playing days and during his early commentating days bit of um, a rebel yeah and, for sure yes a bit of a rebel hmm. yes yes and i expected more from him actually i don't know well we'll see i mean is it just the corporate uh, money talking or is it more we'll we'll see how this yes. uh, comes through in a bit of time so they say always let it age a little right and we'll see how well it ages as time goes on absolutely right now then those are all the topics we wanted to talk about very well episode. thank you very much once again for taking time to uh, do another guest spot you are much sought after i understand but thank you very much for uh, you know coming and giving us the benefit of your thoughts and also giving us an idea about you know where german cricket is headed and at least certainly certain parts of germany where cricket is now being more enthusiastically sought and played so we wish you all the best when it comes to your career as a broadcaster as well as a published author thank you very much where can our listeners get to read more of you get to interact with you online okay oh well so first of all let me thank you for having me on again um and um probably the best spot to follow me is on twitter at linux like the operating system leia that's not like princess leia there's no i so capital l i n u x capital l e a on twitter that's probably the easiest way to follow me anything i do i link there so if you want to follow me go to twitter at linux leia and thank you very much perfect i would say just following you for the sake of reading your tweets is already fun you know and <laughs> everything else on top is a you know an added advantage so great to have you as always and we wish all our listeners a very good day wherever they may be listening from do listen and let us know what you think of our podcast we are always open to suggestions as well as a feedback about how we have been doing thank you very much leah have a nice day Thank you very much Ajit bye everyone bye bye This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast <laughs>